Hi, my name is Jim Tamagini. And some people would call me a professional medicine man. Morning! Out of Sacramento, California! Woo! What you gonna do? Better. Stronger. Son of a bitch. Faster. Oh, yeah! All right, so you know, today, what I wanted to do is I brought my friend Jim in. What's up, Jim? What's up? So I'm Jim, happy to be here. Jim Tamagini from the Red Pill Reset, which is his, uh, his company. Um, what Jim is, is a consultant for Ibogaine. And Ibogaine is something that is really near and dear to my heart. It is a psychedelic compound that comes from Gabon, Africa, that can help people get over addiction. But it can also really help with chronic pain. What it does is it uh, will basically reset all your receptors in your brain like an etch-a-sketch it basically clears you of uh, addictions it clear it clears you of bad movement patterns of uh it clears you of um just bad habits that you have that you keep repeating and repeating over and over and you can't stop doing and it's sort of like it doesn't erase that you've ever done it like it doesn't erase uh you know your thoughts that you've ever done it like you don't forget it but you kind of forget it it's almost like um, I had a chewing tobacco addiction for 30 years, and after I did Ibogaine, I just didn't feel like I needed that. I didn't reach for that anymore. And then when I would, my habit was always to be like on my computer, reach for a dip, throw in a dip, you know, spit in a cup, whatever, right? So I had those those habits, and I just realized that the day after I did Ibogaine with Jim, I didn't want to do that. Like I didn't, I didn't have those those actions weren't um, second. They weren't. Uh, automatic anymore um so jim is out here from boston because interestingly enough we've been working with some ufc fighters some world's strongest man competitors some really really awesome people that don't necessarily have addiction problems right they're doing this for pain and recovery right which is totally interesting because i always thought of it as an addiction interrupter and addiction is like enslavement to something but it's so much more than that and these guys that we've been working with they um, just like you said, they need to change their um, their way of doing life, the way of, that they are doing things. Mm-hmm. They need to change them, and this interrupts that habitual actions that they have fallen into, and allows them to change their lives in the positive direction that they want to change it. And uh, we've been having tremendous success with them. But you know, one of the things with Ibogaine is that it is a big process so i went through it right i did it for chronic pain and when i did it i was high for like it was pretty long time it was like four or five days we we spent five days in a hotel me and you and uh which was like really crazy because it it seemed like it all just blended together yeah it it only feels like it's 24 hours or something but you're there i was literally there for like five days and it took about five days before i felt better um so it was a big process it was a it was a lot to take in. I took a lot of the pill yep. of, the, of the, and it, this is just a tree bark again, mm-hmm. but it's very, very powerful, probably the most powerful psychedelic in the world. And um, I was wondering if you've been figuring out ways where you could possibly do things like microdose this. That's what I've been really experimenting with lately to see if you gave somebody the same amount in a microdose that you would in a flood dose. See, when we give people, and it's not my term, it's a term that um, was uh, was coined long before I came along, a, a flood dose being giving them 
whatever the maximum amount that they need to take all at once. And so the Bawiti tribe in Gabon, Africa, they use the center of their religion is Ibogaine. So when they have church services every week, they use the total alkaloid. So what we're dealing with is a root bark. So there's a plant or, or a tree, whatever you want to call it, because it looks a little bit like a tree. I think it's a little bit a like shrub, a plant, right? a shrub. A, a shrub it's it's only the part that's underground. Okay, this is it's freaky because you know you I run into people that call me up and say, "Hey, bro, I bought um, some ibogaine online and um, I did it and nothing happened." I'm like, okay, well, you either got nothing, somebody just scammed you and gave you, or they gave, a number of things could happen. They gave you nothing, or they gave you Ibogaine, but it wasn't the root. It wasn't the actual part that you need that's underground. Or they gave you the root, and it wasn't in excess of 10 years old, the plant itself, because it doesn't develop the requisite um, alkaloids that it needs to fight addiction and to fight to rewire your brain until after 10 years so a plant that's 12 years is better than 10 15 better than 12 17 better than 15 in other words the older like the plant wine. is right yeah it's going to develop the algoids and they're going to be stronger so all these things have to line up you have to have that right source so just going online and throwing um your credit card at somebody who says that they're from Africa that has this powder that they um, proclaim is Ibogaine isn't the smartest thing in the world to do. But if you do find Ibogaine, it's the way you take it that becomes important. And when you go to some clinics in, in Mexico and Costa Rica, they, they like to flood dose you. In other words, they you know, size up your body weight and they give you one dose Say it's a thousand milligrams for the sake of argument. They give it to you all at once, and th that flood dose is supposed to um, get into your bloodstream and to heal your receptor sites. But what if you vomit with that one dose? Then what do you do? Do they give you more? So I developed my own protocol after seeing what they do in Mexico and Costa Rica and Africa. And I developed a way that I do things to avoid vomiting to uh, as much as possible to, um, to circumvent these problems. And microdosing is one of the ways that you, that you can do that. And that's the question. The question that you're asking is the perfect question. If 1,000 milligrams, for the sake of argument, is the amount that somebody needs to, um, to heal their receptor sites to the point that they need to, to overcome whatever addiction or habit-forming um, problem that they want to surpass. Is that 1,000 milligrams, does it need to be given all at once in a flood dose in one night? Or can you give it in smaller doses over a period of days and weeks or months? That's the question. Yeah, could you take it so that you don't even feel it and have it work? And I, I think... People want that. I think in talking to um, our buddy who's a former UFC fighter, big heavyweight dude who's mm -hmm. a badass, um, he seems to think it works amazing. Yep. Like in, in using it in these smaller, like really small, I think 50 to 100 milligram doses yep. mm -hmm. maybe is, is his dose. And he's a 6'5 guy, 250 pounds. So mm -hmm. it's a pretty big dude. So... 
100 milligrams like somebody else might only need 50 milligrams or something like that yeah i'll tell you i mean this weekend we we worked with um with one of the the strong men mm-hmm. right one, one of the um and he's won contests before well, he was one of the best in the world for a long time. One of the time. best yeah. in the world. Absolutely. And um, I'm not sure what his weight was, but um, it must have been 270? up. 270? He's up there. You know, he's a, a big boy. And I always start out with a test dose, and it's always the same. No matter what you weigh, 50 milligrams. And I do that very, it's very calculated because I want to see how long that takes um, to make you feel anything because based on the test dose is how I'm going to dose you from there on out and everybody feels the test dose. Yeah. So when you say, um, th- you know, give them an am- amount that they're not even going to feel, it's funny because even 50 milligrams, people feel even to the, uh, some extent. It felt a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Well, what's funny is um, you'll see these guys like these giant guys mm-hmm. And you give them some ibogaine, and they're just laid out like you, like we could have beat them up. Yeah, easily. Turn some marshmallows. Guy, guy deadlifts like nine hundred pounds. Yeah, it's like they just turn into a marshmallow. It's yeah, funny. So it's it, interesting it, it, to see what this does. So what most people should probably know about it is like when you do it, you get into like this lucid uh, dreaming state where you're like you're awake, but you're um, like everything's kind of weird and wishy washy. But you go to like stand up and you feel like you're going to fall over. And that's why it's very important to have a guide. And the, the reason I think it's important to have a guide is like I'm a master of distraction. So if I did Ibogaine and I was at my house and I got bored, I would just go turn on the TV. Yeah. And it's like the last thing that you want to do. Yeah. Um, you, you don't want that. You also want to be safe. Mm-hmm. So if you have a guide um, and, they're, and they're good and they're smart. They should be giving you like an EKG, checking your heart. That's what I always bef- do. I bring a little, you... little machine with me, you know, to make sure there's no affibulation. I got a blood pressure cuff, so I do all that. It's kind of the only real like indication of um, things that you need to look out for mm-hmm. is like if somebody has a bad heart, maybe it's not the drug for them because it might be too much for them to handle. But well, we don't even really know. Well, I won't even consider talking to anybody that um, doesn't give me their medical records. I need an updated copy of the medical records, you know, right off the bat. Um, well, here's the problem. A lot of times we're working with addicts. And as much thing. as I love people and as much as I love to help people, mm-hmm. you can't help people that are lying to you because right. they're just killing themselves. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's, there's a fine line with, um, with what we, with what I do. And, yes, I'm working with, um, with addicts and People, have, you know, an addict has a bad connotation, but it's a certain kind of addict that I'm dealing with. As soon as somebody calls me, I can't deal with somebody that's not on point. As soon as they're off point, there's, there's different levels of addicts, <laughs> and there's some that are functional addicts that are really at their wits end, that are running a business, that have a family, that are, are well off. I mean... I'm I'm at the point where I can only help those people, the people that are living under a bridge, in a gutter, and they don't have um, the means. I, I'm un, I'm unable to help them at this point. I'm dying to get you know. This is the, the beginning of the dream that I have of helping people. I want to help everybody. You know, I have I have one person that's developing a nonprofit, so that we can have people donate to it and we can get people help 
They can't afford it. And we also need to get this to be more popular because when it becomes more popular, I think it'll become legal. I, I don't see any reason why this is... I, I do understand why this drug would be controlled. It is very, very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. But there's no reason for it to be illegal and not be administered in clinics and, and things like that. And uh, one of the things that you're trying to do that I think is, is like really, really cool because... Um, we can just, you know, you're a consultant right now, so you can just, you, you only consult people, you know, and you don't get the gain and all that stuff like that. So, but if you go to St. Croix, right, where it's legal there, right, I but believe. They, they, uh, it's decriminalized. Uh, decriminalized mm -hmm. in St. Croix where you have a house yeah. and you want to build a clinic there. And mm -hmm. I think, like, that's a great idea because you could just have as many people as you want come down. Right. It could be uh, more inexpensive because you could have more of it on hand. Mm -hmm. And you could, like, so you could buy it in more bulk. And mm -hmm. then you could also, um, just having people come to you is a lot it's a lot easier on you. Right. You can treat more people. You could probably treat a couple people at once even because there's not much to treating people. Like the guide is really there to make For sure that beginning. you don't make sure you don't die and make sure that you're you're focused on what your uh, intention is, but it's really all you. It's really like all the person being treated. Right. Right? Right. They need I mean, there's a lot that goes into the treatment beforehand. There's so much talk. I would say more of the treatment from the guide goes in, like, 90% beforehand. Beforehand. Yeah. We're talking with the person and making sure they're ready for the experience because there's so many people that aren't. Well, like, look at the example we had this weekend. You had a kid that you were helping out. Yeah. Great kid. Really nice kid. I felt bad for him. His mom brought him in, and um, you told him, hey, listen, man, you need to be withdrawing from fentanyl before you see me, right? Yep. But he took a pill like too late at night, and he kind of screwed you because then it sets totally screwed it, the it, whole thing. Up. It messes up the whole schedule, right? And See, so you're when you're dealing with addicts, you have to prep them, but also once you prep them, you have to be able to like trust them and figure out like did they take something? Like um, I remember, like you said, that you search people's bags and stuff because you, you if do somebody it. does, here's the danger, right? If somebody was like on um, Oxycontin, right? Mm -hmm. And you detox them uh, with ibogaine, and then they took an oxycontin. After they took ibogaine, they could die. Absolutely, because it potentiates everything. It makes everything stronger. And that—that's the only deaths. If you look in in the at the research, the only deaths from ibogaine is when there's another substance in the system. There was 19 deaths in like the past. 25 years or something and every single one of them involved polypharmacy which means multiple drugs at the same time and it also involved um people going back to the drug of choice right none with just ibogaine yeah no, nothing with ibogaine right yeah. so in other words they were using drugs they tried ibogaine to get off the drugs they for whatever reason did the drugs while they were on ibogaine and ibogaine made their drug of choice stronger and they ended up overdosing. Well, the, the really interesting thing is that when this was discovered in like the 60s by Howard Lotsoff, mm -hmm. it was really interesting. Actually, Ibogaine has a patent on it in, before that in the, uh, 1954. Mm -hmm. They were trying to actually patent this for chronic pain first. Mm -hmm. And um, then in 1970, when the psychedelic bill went through, Ibogaine just got lumped in and when we got screwed. You know, mm -hmm. like they, they didn't really have any reason to ban it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of countries where it's completely legal. 
Um, but when Howard Lotsoff found this, he he was a heroin addict, right? And he somebody gave my book and told him like I think like Hunter S. Thompson was talking about this and mm-hmm. things like that. And Hunter S. Thompson was like I think even in fear and loathing. He's like, oh yeah, I was all fucked up on ibogaine. There's like a like a line in there okay. where, he, where he says it, and because um, he used to take it for fun, because Hunter S. Thompson was absolutely insane. Right, sure. It's not something that you would ever take no, for. F- there's nothing, nothing fun, fun about, about it. it. It's a weird thing to take for fun. Right. Um, but I remember um, that Howard Lotsoff, his whole goal was to take it like Hunter S. Thompson. He had heroin, mm-hmm. and he was living in New York City, mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm gonna take this, mm-hmm. and um, I can't wait to see how how much it like fucks me up. Yeah. And he took it, and he didn't leave his apartment for three days. Mm-hmm. Three days later, he walked outside, and he was like looking up at a tree, and he was just marveling at a tree mm-hmm. for the first time in, his, in a long time or in his life going, oh my God, nature is just so beautiful. Right. And he started crying. And then he realized like, wait a second, I haven't had heroin in three days. Right. And I don't even want it. And he didn't want it. And he's like, and he's never, and, and he I never did he, it again. And I think he had it on hand and he didn't even, he, even use he it. He never did it again. Right. And, and he, he made it his, this, right. his life's mission to bring Ibogaine to other people. Right. And that, that's just... It's kind of like your story in an amazing, way. weird way. It's in, like now we're like 30, 40 years later, right. and we have you yep. who have gone through. Uh, carry the we torch. should tell people your uh, the the, How, the new how to watch off. The, the summation of your story, though, is basically like uh, you had a really bad car accident. It was uh, a, I mean, a re- tr- it was catastrophic. Seven it months was, in the hospital. There's no way I should have lived through this car accident. Wasn't it like yeah. seven months off yeah. your feet or something? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember two things. I remember I was ejected from my truck into traffic, and I was in like a, I was getting up. I was like in a catcher's stance, and when I looked up, the car was coming right at me, and then I, then it's black. So I was in a catcher's stance when the car hit me straight on. Then I remember just a glimpse in the ambulance of the um, EMT cutting my pants off with scissors, like coming right up my pants, and then I don't, then I don't say anything. Then I have a glimpse of the doctor at the hospital, and I'm on a gurney, and he's got this um, the, the hard notepad, and he's banging me on the chest, telling me I have to sign it. And I'm like, you know, the lawyer, I don't sign anything. Yeah. I'm like, not signing anything, <laughs> I'm all out of it. And he's like, listen, you're bleeding to death. Your spleen is severed, so inside your stomach, you're just bleeding to death. You're going to die if I don't operate. You have to sign. I remember clearly just what I just said, and I signed, and then I don't remember anything for weeks after that. Don't That's, remember a thing. It's great weeks. that you weren't you weren't stubborn enough to be like I'm still oh, not no. signing it. He, he really he really what he said that what I just said is my best memory of what yeah, he yeah, said, yeah, yeah. and he said it in a tone that like I was going to sign. Yeah, he's like you're going to fucking it die. In a tone where I, you know I wasn't going to be an asshole and not sign. Why do you call your company the Red Pill Reset? Well, because from the Matrix, you know you can you have the blue pill and you can take it. And you can just continue to be a pussy. Yeah, continue just to, <laughs> just, just to go along. You know, Sorry, I didn't mean that. With the way things are, <laughs> or you can take the red pill and enlighten yourself and find out, you know, what what things are really about. And so it's just you know, you play can open on words. your fucking eyes is really what it means, right? Yeah. I mean, like, open your eyes and see that um, you don't have to live in pain. You right. don't have to live with addiction. 
You don't have to live with all these uh, problems necessarily. Mm -hmm. You can knock these things out. Now, one thing I want to make clear uh, to everybody is, first of all, Ibogaine is illegal here in the United States. Um, but there are ways to do things. You know, we, we know ways to do things. And Ibogaine is also very expensive, mm -hmm. right? Like um, a treatment, like just to be open and honest, costs usually upwards of $3,500 to five dollars $6,000, depending on the person, how much they need, where they live. Um, and I think that's something that hopefully um, – more exposure of this we can we can get that down right um but you know it's still a big part of it that people need to understand is like what you're paying for mm -hmm. is you're paying for like your time yeah uh you travel to people to consult with them mm -hmm. so um a big a big part of it is like who's gonna do this for 200 bucks a day it's not yeah, you, need, you need to sit with somebody for three four days and you're gonna have to charge them a couple hundred bucks a day to sit with them so that's where a lot of the money well the thing know, is comes in you know right well right now there's the obacon variant of um of um the covid 19 which originated in south africa that's the only place in the world you can get ibogaine is south africa so they're not shipping any ibogaine anywhere so it's it's a matter of um supply and demand but the ibogaine that that i have or that anybody has um it's is the, the last on it. earth right now that's it yeah. That's it for the moment. For a while, yeah. So, I mean, that that has a lot to do with the cost. But well, it, one uh, thing that's interesting is they are synthesizing it now from other trees and when they get when they sort of I figure that out. Do. And that's another thing. We need to cuz the guys right here in Davis, mm -hmm. we need to contact that guy and we need to see if we can maybe even start like a company. Mm -hmm. Like I would be willing to go out and find investors and find people and like put people together to mm -hmm. start like an ibogaine company where we actually like produce it here and it's produced in a like if it if it's a um who even knows if it's illegal if it's a derivative of like different plants that right. aren't they haven't been scheduled they're right. not they're found in nature like right. it if might not a, even be, be tweaked a little yeah bit. you might be able to just uh, like the supplement but like yeah. hormones. you might be able to supplement company it, right. right and make it uh i didn't know was, there was somebody in davis yeah actually his we name is uh, chris it. jenks and Chris Jenks is a guy that um, he's written several articles on it. You know what's interesting is like beyond just um, medicine, uh, like be beyond ibogaine being the medicine, I think it's like all these plant medicines are like really, really fascinating. Like I know you're just uh, you're just yourself just starting to tap into like mushrooms, and mainly it's because we didn't have access to them. Mm -hmm. But we met some people through what, what we do mm -hmm. that have access to them. How, how have you felt on um, using psilocybin? The psilocybin, I find that um, I like to use examples. Um, I have a person who um, was molested by their baseball coach when they were younger. And they came to me exclusively for that. They hadn't slept uh, a good night in years. Um, like, terror. Uh, tremors, bad dreams. Um, it was just it was just a horrendous story that, that this young man told me, and um, I found that the ibogaine helped in a lot of ways. But I also um, used psilocybin um, together with the ibogaine, and I gave him microdoses of the um, psilocybin that followed the treatment, and he wrote me a letter thanking me for saving his life because he had the first good night's sleep of, that he can remember. And he said that um, the, 
the night tremors, the bad dreams had subsided, had gone away, and that um, a lot of the bad thoughts that he had about the future, um, good thoughts would come in and take them over, which I thought, the way he described it was like an excellent example. And, um, and I just felt good to have helped him at all. But I think that the Silver Sibin uh, complimented the Ibogaine in, in that type of situation. I, it's interesting because I think Ibogaine is honestly the most performance-enhancing compound on the planet. The reason I say that is that we are all – we everybody has pain. I don't know one person who's like, everything feels great, especially right. who's like an athlete, right? right. You, you have people that do. They have a good attitude and like, I feel great, you know, like in whatever – um, my brother will say he feels great, but when you drill down into it, he'll be like, oh, my hip is killing me because he's just like tougher than most, yeah, right? Yeah. So he says that he feels good, but when you really drill down into it, there's some things that hurt him too. Mm -hmm. And if we could clear those things up, like we talked about Mark mm -hmm. um, playing around with possibly microdosing it and stuff like that to see if some of these little injuries will go away. Uh, I don't know anybody who's not in pain. And when you when you can get rid of pain, out of somebody's body and it's another thing like kratom does if you can get rid of pain out of somebody's body that's why i think kratom is the best pre-workout mm. because the best thing that you can do for pre-workout is not necessarily have energy the best thing Bam. you can do for a workout is to be what pain free, pain -free. Yeah. so that like what is a warm-up mm -hmm. a warm-up so you're pain free right. right and then you can work out the reason you don't go in and squat 400 pounds right off the bat is because you'll kill your knees right so you warm them up, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what like Kratom does. I feel like Ibogaine is something that can just immensely help help um, professional athletes. The thing that's crazy is I've been trying to get some top professional athletes to use this, um, but they're like afraid to because of all the like. I've been talking to a guy who's like literally probably the best fighter in the world. Uh, I've been talking to his trainer about how to help him through alcoholism and some other problems and possibly using Ibogaine to do it. And mm -hmm. the trainer's like, well, he's kind of afraid to take it, blah, blah. Right. And you're like, man. man, it's not on any banned substance list. Mm -hmm. And neither is Kratom either. Right. It's not on any banned substance list. It could literally be the thing that not only resets the body, but resets the mind to be a, a killer. You right. know what I mean? To be to focus, to, to on, focus on what is really task important. At hand. And I am, honestly, I like, th this, it, to, to me, Athletes should be on ibogaine just as much as they should be on steroids. You know what I mean? And it's it, like a, if it's, it's far enough off from the competition, why not try it? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's you like know. or like in a re, like um everybody's doing these cold plunges. Mm -hmm. you know how much ibogaine crushes a cold plunge? I, would I mean, you got a cold plunge. You'd have to cold plunge every day for like a year to get the results that you would get with ibogaine in like three days, and it, and it lasts for months and months. Right. The thing that I need to be very very cautious of and be very clear about is I still have a lot of pain some days. Mm -hmm. My pain has been reduced, though, from, like, level 8 every day to, like, level 4 every day. Um, mm. In the beginning, when I first did it, I was when we first did it and you treated me, I was out of pain for, like, 6 months. Mm -hmm. Like, remember, it was, like, about a good Absolutely. 6 months where I'm, like, Absolutely. I'm not, I said, I didn't, you were, like, how much Kratom do you take now? I said, none. I haven't taken Kratom since you treated me. And you're like, really? You know, and we because we, I was taking it every day. Right. And, and, I, th and um, I think that, you know, by, by training again, anybody is going to bring on the onset of pain again. Yeah. You so know? let's just be realistic. So I, I broke my neck. 
So I have a full level decompression infusion. You know, my neck looks like it's robotic if you look at the, uh, the MRI. So I cut back on my training. The Ibogaine has kept my pain level down. Because I never went back to, to going crazy. Correct. Well, you almost can't. Because right. Because like you, like yeah. I would say this: mm-hmm. you win the award for being the most grizzled person I know besides <laughs> me. I have two fake hips. I'm all beat up. Mm. You know, whatever. But like you've been through some really crazy shit, both not just uh, physically, but also mentally. You mm. had your your wife passed away um, in bed next to me on, on Father's Day. And that's just like a track. Like, so you, let's just go over real quick. You had a really bad car accident. Yeah. Right. You were mm-hmm. in the hospital for like seven mm-hmm. or seven months off your feet, right? Right. Seven weeks in the hospital, seven months off my feet. And, and, and then opioids that whole time. Yes. And then wife dies in bed next to you on Father's Day. Right. Which is just, I don't even right. know how you stay alive right. after that. And then. So and then the, another accident, right? Well, the, well then, yes. Then the, another, on, then on Mother's Day, the first Mother's Day, it was raining. And I said to my sister, take the kids home. I'm going to go to the office and do some work. So I was in an M3, and on the highway, this Corvette wanted to race. I wouldn't race him. He cut me off, I, and he like I slid into the guardrail, flipped the car on its, on its roof. Mm-hmm. Another car hit me and knocked me off the road into the dirt. And so that was the second rollover accident. Jesus. Yes. And I had a prior rollover accident. But what's amazing that is my that wife was driving. You don't so really three. have that much pain. I just like you, you're beat up and, you, and like you kind of, you know, you walk around yeah. like because your body's been put into positions like me. Like I, I got right. my shoulders always messed up. So I'm always walking around all grizzled. Mm-hmm. But. But it doesn't actually hurt that bad, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was in much more pain before the ibogaine. That's for sure. And I attribute it to the ibogaine, and then not going back to the level of lifting that I did before. I kind of let it be. And you have a bodybuilding background, so you're you. I, it, you I eat pretty good most of the time. I right? eat good, and you know, and I train just for the for the pump. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Does it make go, you sad that heavy. you like? Because I know, like, for me, mentally, it's mentally damaging that like my body's broken yep. and I go in the gym and like I feel like you I can't do cry. it. You were, yeah, you can't. You, you, you just can't like, be like that. You were jacked and shredded. Like, Absolutely. You look, you look and I phenomenal. still would be if I wasn't. If I, you know what I mean. And but what people what should also know that are listening that are fans of bodybuilding, you mm-hmm. also train two of my favorite bodybuilders of all time. Uh, when they were younger, Mike Matarazzo and Paul DeMeo, you trained with them and kind of trained them, didn't you? I found them. I, I was a, um, I was one of the football coaches at Marlin High School, and Paul DeMeo was on the team. Quadzilla, by the Quadzilla. way. Quadzilla. Biggest and, uh, leg besides Tom Platt. So I was about six years older than Pull him. Pull him up, Russell. Paul DeMeo. And I um, convinced Paul to go to the gym. And, you know, I have all the documentation. I got pictures I got, I got, I got a poster that Paul wrote to me, saying, uh, "When I met you, you were my inspiration at Golds. Now you're one of my best friends." Um, and he wishes me the best. Hopes to see me soon. And this is after he became famous. Before he became famous, I I went to every contest with him. I taught, I taught him how to lift. I taught him how to eat. I taught him how to. I gave him his protocols for all his supplements. 
And I lived with those, him. He was one quads. of my best friends. Those quads are insane. He, lives in Marl he lived in Marlden, where I live now, and he died of a heroin overdose. And that's another reason I do what, what I do. Mike Matarazzo? And Mike was a, a person who I knew from the boxing gym that I went to. And he had the best calves I had ever seen. Yeah, that's the one and thing, man. He's got everybody beat on calves. I told him, Mike, you have to come to the gym. And I brought him to Gold's Gym in Everett with uh, the Grassi brothers owned it. And um, I brought him and Paul. Bodybuilder. Body I yeah. got them to train together. Now, I took Mike to the 1991 um, USA's, and he beat Flex Wheeler for the overall. And he became a pro. Um, three years before Paul. Paul was at the 1994 Nationals. I brought him there, and that's where he turned pro. And he beat Craig Titus. Oh, yeah, there he is, Mike Matarazzo. Look at, like, look at the um, shape on that guy. Like how, how fucking symmetrical the shoulders and the, um, the triceps and everything. It's amazing. They were, both yeah. of them. Yeah, both of them passed away. Now, Mike ha Mike's father had a heart attack. And he shouldn't have been playing with the drugs. You know, Mike like, Matarazzo, like he was a great guy. Was but. training with uh, one of my friends, Brad, um, when he was training for the Olympia. Mm -hmm. He's training with my buddy at Gold. And I remember, like, right up to the Olympia, the guy was going to In and Out Burger every day. <laughs> and he was, like, not like right up to the contest, but like a couple weeks out. Mm -hmm. He was still going to, like, In and Out. And he, was, and he would eat, like, a whole jar of peanut butter a day, my friend would say. But I, I guess he was just such a genetic freak. Yeah. And obviously, he was taking, he could a, do that, taking yeah. a bunch of things that, mm -hmm. that helped him. You know, it's like too bad. It's a shame that we didn't know about oh my God. Bible game for somebody like Paul. Oh, Paul. He would still be here. 100% he would been, still be here. What a, what a great guy yeah. he was. Like, what a cool, you know, guy he was. And so, I would love them, to see, like, you know, we've talked about this. We have so many friends that we think could benefit from Bible game, but they seem a little bit scared. And we even yeah. have friends that were... Uh, willing to treat for free like we've been talking about some of these old school um, bodybuilders that yeah. have all these injuries like i'd love to treat ronnie coleman yeah, absolutely I'd love to treat flex 100 if they would reach um, out to us ronnie flex reach yeah, out to Dwayne us yates Dwayne's uh, all into this stuff and he's in like really healing his body and um i heard he was like had been interested in it at some point mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like getting you know and and, getting and people doing it right do it. Uh, yeah, other, doing other it right. people aren't doing it right other people you know, somebody that's giving you 200 milligrams at a time, they're not doing it right. I've perfected the, um, the protocol. So I get people that, that don't even throw up. I don't like people to vomit, if possible. You know what I mean? Because well, you, then you lose Ibogaine if you throw up. You know what I mean? There's no sense in it. So that's how slow that I go. But I just want to um, be clear on here. I don't well, procure also, like, Ibogaine for anyone. I'm a consultant. So... You know, I don't advocate ibogaine or any drugs, illegal or not illegal. I don't advocate them. My purpose is if you're going to take them, then you better take them with someone that knows what they're doing. And so I'm happy to um, avail myself. And that's a way that you can circumvent whatever the... The legalities yeah, of the things. the legalities. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm happy. not doing it. You know? I, I'm, not, I'm not getting it for anybody. They can get it themselves. And if they're going to do that and take it themselves, which I don't recommend, I've been in the presence of hundreds of people now that have taken it because we've been to retreats where there's 10 people at a time, 12 people at a time. So having seen that many people and knowing how to administer it, then 
you know, it makes it easier for me to know how much you should take when you should stop. Well, that's where I, why it'd be advantageous to have a place that's out of the country because you, right. you could procure it. And you you make it way easier for everybody. Right. Right. And, and so way less hassle. That's what we're going to end up doing. But in the meantime, I'm also not going to stop helping people. In to, the meantime. To me, the big problem is mm-hmm. when you get people, that they have to go to like Mexico, they have mm-hmm. to go to like other places. And um, most places that you go to do this treatment, you're going to need a passport. Right. One of the things you told me, which is this huge for, for your business, if you do it in St. Croix, you don't need a passport. No, there's no and passport. that's a big deal. It's part of the United States. It just makes like, it easy for people to travel. It's just like going to another state. St. Croix, St. John, St. Thomas. And the amount of we yeah, could probably fill territories. up. We could fill up a clinic 365 days a year because it's it's like off the coast of Florida. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's say, and, yeah, yeah. And so, um, and and to me, all that really means is like, yeah, we could make a lot of money doing this, but like, I don't like money's great, but like this is so awesome to be able to help people. Like, I get letters every day. I get email, not letters. I mean, I'm not 100 years old, but I get, like, emails and DMs every single day Mm -hmm. talking about movies that I did 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Like, people will write me and say, oh, my God, prescription thugs completely saved my life. Like, yesterday. Like, yesterday, prescription thugs saved somebody's life. Mm -hmm. So, like, these movies that I do, they have these, like, lasting, profound effects on people's lives you know long after you do them so my goal like what i actually really want to do and i think i'm going to try to move forward with this and probably use parts of this podcast as a a way to do that is like i think that you need your own show unlike the discovery channel and i've actually been talking to discovery channel about some other projects and i Mm -hmm. think like this is so wild and cool like what you do you go around and you help people uh get off drugs and heal their bodies and do all these things, and there could be a lot more. There could be many more facets to this if we could actually, um, you know, it, it, as we're perfecting it, as we're going, there's a lot more facets to it. There could be like more follow up with this as well. Like that's the one thing. Um, how have your? I know you're really good at it. You're a really good people person. How have the follow ups been? How many people are staying clean? How many people are staying out of pain? What's the feedback from people? We're gonna save that for the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can't save all of it. Well, I'm I'm it, telling you, it's wild. In general, like what's I'm the, telling you, it's wild because I do the follow up, and it's wild. Some people don't stay clean. Mm-hmm. Some people, I need to vet the people really, really well. And sometimes I'm chasing people around the country, trying to get them to stay clean because because they haven't because they tried to bamboozle me. Some people use ibogaine because they know it works so well. To get clean so that they will get high again. And especially when I first started out, when I found out that people were doing that to me, that they were using Ibogaine to get clean just to go get high again, that did something to me inside. Just made me crazy. It hurts your feelings. It hurts my feelings, but it makes me crazy. So now I'm on a quest to chase them around the country and get them get them clean yeah the right way you know, do you know what i mean yeah and so you know you well, talk people about, are uh, people are masterful in their lying the like you, you had a guy uh, you had a guy tell you uh hey i took i took half a, a pill i only took he, half he said he took, and then you said well give me the other half yep 
and he searched his bag for like an hour. Had it right everything in front of home. me, right in front of me. Because there's a huge difference between. Listen, I told the person. He asked me, "When should I take my last dose?" And I told him. He said, "When should I stop eating? When should I take my last dose?" Because I was flying in from another state across the country, across the whole country, and it depended how much he had milligram-wise and when he had that as to when I advised him to start to take the Ibogaine. So I arrive at the destination, and he admits to me that he took a certain milligram dose at a certain time that was hours after he should have. So... You know, to make it clearer, if I told him to stop taking something at two, he told me he took half an, an amount at seven. So now that means I can't start the Ibogaine until he's in withdrawals. So that, you know, tax on, say, five hours. So now there's five hours I waste. I get there and I say, well, give me the other half of the pill that you didn't do. And he opens his bag, as Chris just said, and he go, he spends... 45 minutes to an hour as I'm sitting there in the hotel room as he goes through the bag through every little nook and cranny of everything he has. That's why this needs to be a show because also the other part of it is that you treated another kid who had his father come with him and his father spoke no English and you're stuck in a hotel room for like three days with a guy, like it must have been so uncomfortable and weird, but I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall with a camera. Yeah. Just to and see, I have like, some of that what, footage, though. I have like, some what that. the f is going on yeah. with this? Because, like, and then you said that um, you had to communicate with the guy through like a on my phone app with an app, right? And to I, translate. Yeah, and Spanish. What I loved was that um, you communicated with him, and he said, um, "Like, thank you so much. I've never seen my son sleep before." He was standing over the bed. He was like a meth addict. He or was something, standing right? over the bed. The father. Look, the father showed up at the hotel room, and I said to the kid, what's he doing here? And he goes, he, he come, he's holding the money because he doesn't want to pay until he sees oh, yeah, that he this is that, real. That yeah, he wants some to people make sure. think you might be a scam. He yeah. shows up at the hotel. He thinks I'm going to beat him up and take the money. Yeah. Do I look like that? Um, no. And so, <laughs> a little bit. so the kid shows up. The kid had done uh, black tar heroin smoking, black tar heroin and methamphetamine smoking them back and forth for four years straight. Hadn't missed a day, so he said. He, he worked in the demolition field, so he'd smoke those and, like, knock down a wall. They'd pay him cash. He'd go buy more, go home to his parents' house. He has twin daughters that his mother takes care of, and he'd be in his room smoking, and the father would see the smoke come under the door. So the father's standing at the bed in the hotel room with me, and he's standing there smiling over the bed, and the kid's in the bed, like, you know, on Ibogaine, and I take the phone and I ask the father, you know, what's up, why are you smiling? And he says, thank you, I've never seen my son sleep since he was an infant, that's, that's what he wild. said. He'd never seen him sleep, because he'd always seen him do is do meth back and forth, meth, for the last four years. I know this is gonna sound crazy, because we're biased, but, you know, um, I think, so as far as I know, because I get all these crazy phone calls from you, as far as I know, you've had very, very good success with Ibogaine. So just in all honesty, have mm-hmm. you had people like that it hasn't worked for at all? I haven't had anybody that it hadn't worked for at all. I've had, I've had several people that I did twice. I have one person who I, I know you're out there, and I'm going to put you on, 
you know, on Front Street Frank. But I have a, ki a kid I call fuck, 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 Frank. Okay, and that's because for two days he was on Suboxone. Suboxone, as we know, it binds to the receptor site so aggressively it doesn't want to come off. And they made it that way, you know, purpose, yeah. so that you're on Suboxone for the rest of your life. So he was on Suboxone. In the first two days of his treatment, he laid in bed next to me and just said, fuck, 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 over and over again. Like, when's this going to end? When's this going to end? And I had to dose him very aggressively to get, the, to get it off the receptocytes. We did the full treatment, and it didn't totally work. Like, he went, he had to go back and, and do some suboxone because it didn't totally work. So I had to do him completely again. And this time I dosed him a little more aggressively, and it worked. So I would say he was somebody that didn't work, yeah. but then it eventually I worked. Think, I believe that. I, I could be wrong, but I believe you went back and helped him Again. On, on your own, right? Yes. Like, be, like out of your own pocket because yes. uh, you felt bad, right? Yes. And that's yes. the other thing about you. Yes. Is like, this if it isn't, doesn't work, I don't want to fail. Yeah, there's like really no uh, money back guarantee or anything like that, but I feel like you're cool enough to like help people like I i've seen, I've seen you do stuff like um you um you can you you help people like i i don't know i i know that it's expensive and i know it's hard but like i see you actually spending a lot of your own money like one of the things that i'll be forever grateful for and i'll never forget is i was in a really rough spot when i did ibogaine i didn't have a whole lot of money and um first of all we uh, agreed that we should make a, a documentary out of this, like a little documentary, and I did. And part of the agreement was like, hey, you'll treat me, right? But beyond treating me, you flew out here on your own dime. I'll never forget this. You flew out here on your own dime, and you stayed in a hotel on your own dime, and you were supposed to get paid back with a guy that you were partners with at the time who never paid you back. And I will never, ever forget that. You know? And that's why like, I flipped so many people to you. Because I'm like I'm indebted, you know what I mean. I'll feel like it, uh, forever indebted that uh, that you did that to me. So for for me, so thank you, and I really appreciate what you're doing and helping people. And I love that my brother just came into the gym, and he said, "Hey Jim, how you doing? Thanks for helping people." Yeah, like that's so cool. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, after I met you, it was, this is how it was going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, once I met you and I saw what a good person you were. That, that's just how it was going to be. There's nothing else I can say. It didn't matter. And, and the funny thing is that um, the partner that I had at the time, I didn't know Chris at all, but um, he had set it up, and he couldn't go because he had um, ob other obligations. And so he couldn't go. So it wasn't going to happen if I didn't go. But, like, the Ibogaine God. I said gods, I was going to go. The Ibogaine God, whoever, whoever invented is. Ibogaine. Yeah was shining down on us. Yeah, because I said I was going to come. Yeah. Well, and, no, but like the the reason that we met, mm -hmm. it wasn't by accident. Like no. the reason we met and the reason why some of the people that we were involved with before are not involved anymore is because that's the way it was meant to happen. Mm -hmm. Cuz yeah. God wanted good people in charge of this. I believe it. Yeah. You know, they wanted the right people in charge of it. And I'm actually going to get us in cahoots with some other people. Like, I haven't really dove that deep into, like, really studying this. But I really want to go to Stanford and um, meet up with Marcus Capone, who is a um, Navy SEAL. Yeah. Who has a group called VETS, V-E-T-S. Mm. And if anybody is a veteran out there that's listening to this, you can look up VETS and they help people with Ibogaine. And they have, like, scholarships and stuff. And, like... That's the kind of stuff I want to get into. Sure. How do I actually help people um, 
you know, on a grander scale, work with some of these nonprofits, get you involved mm -hmm. with some of this stuff and help push your company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like really we want to just move this forward. Yeah, absolutely. Russell, you have any uh, questions for us before we get going? How do people get in touch with you? Um, the redpillreset.com is the easiest way, right on here, is the, the website's right on the T-shirt. Um, you go on there and you, you fill out a questionnaire and that goes right to me. It also has my telephone number. That goes right to me, leave me a message. I always get back to you. It may take a little while because it's such a, um, uh, such a demand, but I'll always get back to you. At one time you told me you had like 175 emails yeah. of people I wanted to get right. treated. And like, to and, me that's wild. And, I, and at various times I've had people working, helping me um, with the emails. But um, I, move, I had to move from Colorado um, back to Boston for a variety of reasons. And, um, and if you can believe this, when you talk about things that happened, the moving company lost, they either lost my stuff, some of it they lost, and went to the wrong person. And that person went through all my, all my stuff, took what they wanted, gave it back to the moving company, and the moving company gave me back. So I only got the stuff that... Nobody wants. <laughs> Jim always gets screwed, by the way. Well, I, have, I have one last question. So yeah, you're going to get sure. screwed. Yeah. Um, you told me a story. I don't know if you want to share it or not. It was just so wild. Um, and it was about fentanyl and, like, touching some fentanyl. Oh, God. Can you tell that a little bit? Yeah. I, um, that it was a, yeah, nobody really knows this. Um, I treated a person, a um, uh, uh, 285-pound bodybuilder, big dude, and um, he was a heroin addict, and he had been injecting heroin, and I had treated him, and I had been, um, he, he was so, such a big dude, and I, ha and I usually don't like to treat people at their homes. I generally like to go to an Airbnb or a hotel or someplace, I feel like, the Bawitis that I talked to that indoctrinated me, they tell me, you know, you go to a place, have them shed their skin there and just leave that place. They never go back there. This person that, that was in such a bad state that I, um, I, I, you know, went along with his wishes and I treated him at his house. His kitchen was in, a, it was a mess. And when I was done treating him, one of the things about Ibogaine, is it's even though you're just lying there during the experience, your brain is healing. It's like your brain is running a marathon. So you're extremely tired after the experience. So you know, you want to rest and recuperate and start to nourish yourself because you haven't wanted to eat for a couple of days during the experience. So he was in that process, and his kitchen was a mess. And uh, I said, I'm going to like tidy this up. And one of the things he said to me is that he had copped some heroin like the night before I came. But he, I said, well, okay, I'm going to give it back to you and you can do with what you want with it because that's what I do. I am, let people empower themselves. If they have drugs, give it to them. And, if they, and they all want to dispose of it. After the, I haven't had one person yet after the treatment take the drugs and want to do them. The, the I began takes that away from you. It makes you look at the drugs and, and wonder why you ever did them to begin with. So he's like skeeved the drugs. He didn't want to uh, have anything to do with them. He asked me to just to throw them away. 
So I was going to flush them down the toilet or whatever I was going to do with them. I, I didn't have a chance to do that. They were in a plastic bag, and they were then in the plastic bag was, uh, uh, excuse me, they were in a paper bag, and in the paper bag was a plastic bag. In the plastic bag was tin foil, and in tin foil was the heroin. And so I opened all that up to, um, to make sure that's what it was before I disposed of it. And the last thing I remember is getting into the, um, into the tin foil. And then the next thing I know is that um, there was EMTs on the floor and they're jamming something up my nose. And I opened my eyes. And what had happened was he had gotten fentanyl that was, that was very pure. And um, he didn't know it because he hadn't opened it. When I had passed out, he heard me hit the floor. And he got up from the bedroom. And instead of calling, um, you know, he called um, 911. And they came and, and, uh, and, and gave me um, a knock-in to, to get me out of the situation. And uh, thank God that they did. And just if yeah, anybody out there listening, fentanyl, and I've done fentanyl, and I'm not proud of it at all. I used to do use fentanyl patches. It is so powerful and so crazy and so deadly. Uh, luckily, the fentanyl that I used was directly from pharmaceutical company in a in a patch, and it was like after I had my hip surgery, um, I wasn't prescribed it. I was prescribed lighter stuff. But then once I got into it, I found out where to buy things from. And my friends, like my so-called friends at the time, would upsell me, like, "Oh, you you know, you only need one fentanyl compared to this many uh, Norcos, right, yeah. or whatever." And it would upsell me. And um, it's just one thing I always warn people about: it will stop your breathing and it will kill you. Uh, the one thing about kratom that's really interesting is uh, the reason why it stops your breathing is your body produces this stuff called beta arrestin. Beta arrestin arrests your breathing, and if you uh, don't produce beta arrestin that can't happen kratom doesn't do that it doesn't cause respiratory depression so while all the other opioids of addiction cause respiratory depression kratom is a more mild opioid that hits the mu opioid opioid receptor and does not cause it so therefore it doesn't kill you which makes it a safer uh alternative although it can still be habit forming it's not deadly you know and i think I that's a, that's really important but we got to wrap things up because you right. got to get your ass yep. back to Boston. Yes, I do. Um, and get your, pleasure. get your foot it's fixed. It's a pleasure to be here, yeah. Another thing, yeah. this guy's always getting killed. He, he's got a screw in his foot from his car accident, and the screw's starting to pop. It's, it's starting to back they, out, right? They're saying it's rejecting the screw from 1999, and it's backing out. So they need to cut my skin and screw it back in. He was going to go home so in a I couple days, and he calls me yesterday. He's like, my flight's tomorrow. I got I to get this screw put back in. Yeah, I'm like, well, I hey, I got a screwdriver at the gym <laughs> if you want me to. I need an exacto knife, too. You want me to tune you up, buddy. So, but thanks so much right, for being my here, man. Pleasure, I, man. Thank you. Like, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I love you. You're like, you're a, a really, really yeah. good friend. Um and this all happened in like the weirdest, most organic, beautiful way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how things go, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if anybody wants help out there or wants to talk to Jim, you can hit him up at theredpillreset.com and um, he will get right back to you. You guys can also DM me on Instagram at Big Strong Fast. If you're ever struggling with addiction, Ibogaine is not the only way out. There's a lot of ways out. There's AA, there's rehab, there's a million different ways of doing things and I can help explain and navigate you guys through that. If you need it, just hit me up and 
be more than happy to do it. Uh, obviously, like when I have time, I usually get around to all my DMs. So thank you guys for listening, and we out. All right. Awesome. That was really good. Yeah.